right, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's so good to see you all, to be here with you all, to worship with you all, to hear the testimony of Jesus among us. We're going to get into the Word of God. It's going to be so good. Um, if you have a, a Bible or a device you like to read the Word on, I would encourage you to get it out um, and open up to Luke chapter 4, and we'll get there in a few minutes. I need to be honest. <laughs> um, and the, the Bible will also be up here on the, the projector when we get there. But I want to talk about a couple of things first. Thank God for the heat wave. Um, those who are part of our spiritual family, if this is too loud, just wave a hand and tell Daniel he's doing a great job. Um, those who are part of our spiritual family, you may have noticed we've been doing some work on the foyer, the lobby area, and I wanted to give you uh, an update on that. It's not done, um, but it is on the way. So we've, we've pretty much kicked out a lot of the old furniture. We got new paint up. We got a couple new pieces of furniture in, but we're not done, just so you know. I'm so grateful for the deacons who have been working hard um, to really invest in um, this facility and our spiritual family, we've got new appliances in the kitchen, the bathroom's got, there are things happening you didn't even know were happening, but you just walked in and you're like, something good's happening here. Well, thank the deacon team uh, for being a part of that, and uh, thanks for your patience as we continue. Uh, it's going to look real great. We got some new furniture coming out there, and then uh, we'll finish up with some things on the walls, and you're going to be like, this was worth it. So I want to give you an update on that, um, but I also wanted to share a few things um, as sort of to frame or intro the word today, um, because I, I think that they, they put in perspective what I feel like the Lord's doing. So I'm going to talk for about five or ten minutes just about some more testimonies. You guys here for it? Um, but don't think like, when's he actually, this is the message, all right? So don't, don't get nervous about it. Um, one is a follow-up you need to hear, but the others are things you may or may not know about. And the reason I want to share these is because I feel like there's a narrative in our, our nation for, for many Christians that says, you know, things are bad, things are hard, they're getting worse, so you better just protect yourself and hope Jesus comes back soon. And there's very little hope involved with that narrative, and then you throw in so a bunch of worry and anxiety and all the things Jesus said don't do. Is this re relating to anyone in the room? Um, don't you know that God's so much bigger and better than that narrative? Uh, so I want to share a few things to remind you that God is at work in our world, not just in the world, but in our nation and in you and me. How about that? He's up to something really good. And I want to challenge you with a question before I share these. What have you asked him for lately? If you feel like there's a lack of seeing God move, have you asked him? You have not because we ask not. What are you expecting? Where's your faith for what God wants to do in and through you in this world? So um, where to start? Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and if you know me, you may know that I watch two football games a year. <laughs> the Super Bowl and the U of M MSU game. Go green. Um, so for those of you that are like really invested and you thought this would be that Sunday morning message to bring all the parallels from the Super Bowl, this isn't it. Uh, it's next Sunday. Oh, I'm way ahead of myself. Oh, so, so look how excited I am. 
But I, I use an example, um, Kansas City's in the game. I'm excited about people like Patrick Mahomes who are, who are putting Jesus on display. Not just with the, I thank God for I won this game kind of a thing, because a lot of people give that lip service. So this guy's living it out. And there's many like that, I feel like right now, the Lord's just lifting up, who are, who are living out faith and integrity in the public square, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, I won't go and say, well, because he follows the Lord, they're going to win the game. I, you know, is that the only way Jesus gets glory? How's that working out in your life so far? I think Jesus will get the glory by anyone who's willing to walk in faith and obedience and trust him, whether they win the game or, or lose the game. A few weeks ago, I, I was using that as springboard to more football testimony. You, you may have heard about um, the guy on the Buffalo Bills team, Damar Hamlin, who went down, collapsed with a heart attack. His heart stopped on the field and uh, got the whole nation praying. Uh, literally, one of the commentators was a Christian, led the whole nation in prayer, and here he's recovered in ways they never expected, um, which is awesome. I mean, who would ever thought that via national football that the U.S. would be praying to Jesus for someone's healing? <laughs> that's not the fullness of the revival we prayed for, but that's something. I mean, there's been prophecies about stuff like that, talking about Jesus and healing on the news. Um, but then I heard a testimony of another guy on the team who, because of what happened with this guy and seeing God answer prayer, came to faith in God. And I'm sure there are many others who are impacted. I don't want to overstate, but when you see God move through people praying in the name of Jesus and God moves and does a miracle, you got to be thinking about it, right? Um, more public people? Are you guys okay? Um, how many of you know who Dolly Parton is? Uh, still, still singing, still alive and kicking. I don't remember seeing her when I was like this old. So, she's been around, um, but she professes a a solid faith in Jesus today. I can't speak for any of her life really, but she's very public about her belief in Jesus, and recently came out saying she had a dream from God, and wrote a whole song about it. Did anybody hear about this? You didn't hear? You got to look. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, Look it up. I'm, it's not a secret. Use your Googler later. Uh, <laughs> but she had a dream and wrote a song. And um, this, the dream was essentially a warning. She felt like a warning from God um, about the ways we've been living as a nation that are against him and what we will reap as a consequence if we don't repent. Um, and uh, so it's kind of, a, you could say, a father's tone because the, I believe the title of the song is don't, don't make me come down there. <laughs> and, and the tone of the song flo flows with that. Uh, I will just say that much. When I read it, I'm like, I'm not sure if I like the tone of the song, but when a public figure who millions, yea, billions would recognize, and she's willing to say, I had a dream from God, and he's telling us all to turn back to him, that's something. To write a whole song and release it, look it up. I haven't heard the song. I read the lyrics, though. Like I said, that's the tone. It's very parental. Um, <laughs> but it's the Lord moving. When, when you use your platform in, in such a powerful way and want to call people to repentance, that's not a popular message. But is it the heart of Jesus? You know, and, and there's truth to it, right? We as believers, we, we want Jesus to come down here. We want him to come back. But you know what happens to those who don't yet know him when he comes back? Judgment. Wouldn't he want to send a warning before he comes? 
um, because he is so good and he is so merciful. And so I have to believe it's from the heart of God, filtered through a human vessel, just as it always is with all of us. The message comes through us, came through her. Um, and I'm just, I'm encouraged by that. And I've heard of, and I don't know uh, their names offhand, I, so I don't want to get them wrong, but one or two, at least one, again, I'm trying to not exaggerate, one other very public figure who's, who's made a similar claim. The Lord gave me a dream. It was a warning for us, to turn, for us as a nation to turn back to him. I don't know that I've ever heard this happening before. I, I mean, I've only been alive 47 years been following Jesus for a couple decades, but I don't remember this ever happening before. It makes you think that something good is happening, that God's on the move, that we're living, living in special times. I want to bring it home. Uh, last week, um, I had us all pray for East Lansing and East Lansing Public High Schools, and some of you may have no context for that, but um, I had been talking the week previous with a friend of mine, Scott Hayes, pastor's Element Church uh, there in East Lansing, has been on the ground uh, with his church planting. It's not, I guess you can't call it a church plant anymore. It's like 10 plus years old, but really have invested themselves in that community. And I'd reached out to him. I said, what's, how are you? What's going on? I had no clue because I don't have kids in East Lansing and we don't as a church have kids in, in that school system. Uh, he, but his first, it was via text at first and he responded, it was really bad, pray for us. I'm like, well, what's going on? And he came back with East Lansing, the schools, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and so we talked. And uh, essentially, um, the atmosphere in the schools over the past months has, has really declined, where he talks about his middle school son coming home crying many days because he had to break up fights, that nobody was there. They uh, made a decision not long ago, a year or two ago, to remove security and police presence from the schools. And so that's why, you know, a seventh grader is busting up the fights in the hall because there's no one else to do it. Comes home crying. All, and then uh, another event happened at the high school um, where a big brawl happened. Like, after a home game, there was one teacher, 23-year-old woman, trying to break up a big brawl with students and others and asking other students to break it up. In the middle of the fight, um, a gun falls out of someone's pocket, and it was like the straw that broke the camel's back for these parents and students and the whole school is like, this is not okay. Uh, this lack of, of control and security in our schools and for our children, it's not okay. They called a, a snow day that Friday, which it did snow, but it wasn't a snow day. <laughs> uh, Scott's take on it was uh, they were really giving everyone a chance to breathe. Um, and he said, we don't know what's going to happen, um, but we're praying. Would you, would you pray with us and pray for us? So that was sort of the situation. I'm probably missing some of the details. And so we prayed here. We prayed here on Sunday morning. We, we asked for the kingdom of God to break in, asked God, for God to move. I have a testimony. Because I talked to Scott last week after that, and he was amazed. He said, thank you for praying. He said, here's a couple of things that went down. They had like a town hall meeting um, at this at the Hannah Center that the mayor of the city called. It wasn't just school, it was the community was in the house. He said it was full to overflowing, standing room only. Um, it went on for hours, back and forth between the school board and uh, community members and all this other stuff. And he said, the woman leading the meeting wasn't the mayor. He said, I don't know who she was, but she, led the, she ended the meeting saying, you know, it's, they say it takes a village. 
you know, talking about our schools. Um, and she said, you know, we need the young people to step up. We need the old people to step up. We need students. We need parents. We need community members. We need this. And he said the, the place where she landed surprised me because the very end of that, it takes a village and all these different people to do this was, and we need our people of faith. We, needed our, we need our houses of worship. We need them in our schools. <laughs> and she said houses of worship, like she was being fair to all faiths, but he said, I've never heard anyone in East Lansing public policy say anything like that. Um, and, and it left with that strong encouragement. And that was the close of that meeting to where then the mayor uh, stood up and said, if you are a community member, a leader of a nonprofit, um, I wanna have an extra meeting with you all in this other room. So 25 people, including my friend Scott, go to this other room. And they talk again for a while. And then he closes the meeting like this. He says, we're gonna end this meeting in prayer. And uh, if you don't like that, if that offends you, you're welcome to leave. Um, and then he ended the meeting in prayer in the name of Jesus. And again, Scott's like, I've been in East Lansing for 10 plus years, and not only has it been hard, it's literally been hostile for us to try to speak and be the name of Jesus in this city. And in the middle of this crisis, suddenly, <laughs> civic officials are calling on the name of Jesus. And, uh, make, and then in the wake of that, making significant changes. And I had prayed, isn't that amazing, first of all? Praise God, you prayed for that. You all, in this room, you all prayed for that. I mean, that is a miracle by his own testimony. His kids are all in East Lansing Public Schools on purpose because they feel so called to that community. All three of his kids are in the middle school and high school. So they've experienced the hostility, but also the crisis. And they're all like, what is happening? And I, I prayed one thing uh, here on Sunday. And I pray often, to be fair. I said, Lord, I, I ask that you'd give a headline as a significant proof of answer to our prayers. And I was scrolling Instagram this week, and an LSJ ad popped up with a headline about changes in the East Lansing Public Schools. I thought I saved it, but it essentially said they had reversed their decision and were bringing security back to the schools. Righteous decisions. In, in answer to our prayers in this room, friends, isn't it amazing what God will do when we ask? Didn't I challenge you? What have you asked God for? What are you expecting God for? What are you believing God for? I'm not sure my friend was believing that they would want to pray to the name of Jesus in a public meeting in East Lansing, but we prayed for the kingdom of God to come, and he came. So praise the Lord. That's what he's doing in the world, um, is moving through public figures. He's moving through our prayers. Nobody else but Jesus knows, and my friend Scott, that we prayed uh, last Sunday for that. And uh, God answered. But uh, there's more. I heard some encouraging stats. Uh, you may be familiar with the name Barna. He's a Christian research guy who's been active for many years, just kind of taking the spiritual temperature of the church in America and America at large. And uh, heard some amazing statistics that I could only say point to the fact that God is stirring an awakening in our nation and that it is ripe for harvest. Here are some of those statistics. Um, 
they surveyed many young people, you know, Gen Z, if you're familiar with that, said that of all the, the Gen Zers, that's like, you know, college age and down, that they, they surveyed over 50% of them, that's over half of a whole generation in our nation, would like to know more about Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then research that they did also indicates a rising openness for spiritual things in all ages. Um, the hard numbers are that 80% of people surveyed in our nation, not just Christians, <laughs> this, that's good news, 80% believe in God, um, and just as many believe that there is more to God than they have currently known and experienced. You know, I would hope that most Christians believe there's more. But we're talking about people that don't yet know Jesus, believe there's more that they can know and experience. That's hunger, friends. That's hunger right now all across our nation. 80% of our nation is hungry to know more about God, open to spiritual things. That is one thing. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And there may be a lot of things that we could wring our hands about, the previous narrative I talked about. Oh, it's scary out there. Oh, they're going to persecute us. Oh, okay, fine. Jesus said all that. But he also said there's a ripe harvest. I think we're beginning to see uh, the stirrings of a ripe harvest. Now, the fire may not be blazing, but in my mind, what this represents is like the driest kindling wood. It doesn't take much in this, this environment to see God light a fire. Amen? In summary, and then we're going to look at the word short, and then we're going to pray for people. That's the plan today. God answers our prayers. And then he uses people like you and me to answer those prayers. And he's doing it right here in our nation. You know what? He's doing it right here in our city. And you know what else? People are hungry to know more of him. They're hungry for what you, we carry. So we get into the word of God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you're God over all, that there's no name, no power above your power, that you move when we pray, and that you use people like us to change times and seasons. God, we ask today that you would uh, give us strength in our inner man in a greater way, that, that Jesus, you yourself, would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you would be manifest inside of us in such a way that you come out of us. We pray today that you would cause us to be rooted and grounded in the reality of who you are so that we bear the fruit of your power and your presence in the world around us. Give us revelation as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. So, praise God for the people who have identified themselves with Jesus. He's using to bring good news into the world. Amen? Amen. To bring hope, to bring solutions, to bring awakening, to be revival. And here's the better news. You're one of them. I want to talk about being identified with Jesus, having Christ on the inside from Luke chapter 4. And if you've been around, I, I've been coming back to Luke chapter 4 for about two months. And I'm not done. I'm not tired of it. I hope you're not tired of it. Uh, but Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, and it, the, the part of the, the, narr- the story here is that um, Jesus was baptized, the, the Father spoke over him, thundered the voice of heaven, this is my son, it was a glorious moment, and the Holy Spirit led him into a wilderness where he didn't eat for 40 days, he was tested, and he came out 
victorious, and that's where we're picking up the stories. If you want to hear me talk about some of that other stuff, just go back and listen to the past messages. But this is a story where Jesus comes out of the wilderness. This is what it says about him, and this is what he declares about himself. Verse 14, Luke chapter 4. Follow along with me. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovering of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm going to stop there. How many of you know that Jesus lived his early life, his earthly life, sorry, here as an example to us. He said it. He so much has said it. John chapter 13. I've done this as an example for you. Now, specifically, he's talking about the washing of feet and serving others in that context, to be fair. But his disciple John picked it up later in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2. Christ lived in such a way that whoever claims to live in him should walk just as he walked. Okay, you all agree? All right, so Jesus in this is making a declaration about himself, but he's also providing for us an example of how we are to live. You with me? You ready? We come, and, and Jesus, so Jesus' story is our story. Now, you will never be the savior of the world, just to be clear. I, I mean, that's obvious, but you're not going to give your life for the souls of many. That work's finished, and it's done. Hallelujah. All right, but every part of his earthly life is an example to us of what it looks like for a man or a woman to walk in unity with the Spirit of God, with the heart of the Father, to bring the kingdom. But he was one man, and when he left, he said, it's going to be better when I go because what you see in me will be in you. Okay? So here's the story. Jesus comes into the public square. He's baptized by John, and the Father speaks. This is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. Guess what? That's your story. When you came into the kingdom, the Father said, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. I love you. And he shouts it to the whole world. I love this one. This one's mine. And then life hits. You ever feel like life hit? You ever have glorious mountaintop moments where you're just like God is there and you feel the favor of God and then life hits? That's like Jesus' 40 days. You know, we're hit with the circumstances of life and sometimes it just doesn't seem so glorious and it's, and it's tough and there are afflictions and there's even the devil who comes at us to tempt us to disbelief. Anybody feel like they've been there before? Sometimes the afflictions of life are not so intense. It just becomes the mundaneness of life. You know, you're just going through and you believe in Jesus, but God just somehow seems distant and, and silence. But you know what else comes in still? Lies. Lies that seem more powerful than what we actually believe 
begin to creep in. We forget to embrace what God has said, what God thinks about us, and we start listening more to our own thoughts and the thoughts of others about us, and the voice of the accuser gets really loud. I love hearing this passage in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus made a statement from the word of God about himself. He declared for himself an identity statement, if you will. said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to declare liberty to the oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. And today, this scripture has come true in your hearing. It's so awesome that he said it just like that, because Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. He knows why he's saying it. He declared from the word of God what the word of God said about him, and then said, these words are fulfilled. But you know what hadn't happened yet? Jesus hadn't yet set any prisoners free. He hadn't gone to preach yet. He had taught in the synagogues, it said. It said the power of God was on him. But all of the work of Jesus was yet to be done. And yet he could confidently say, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He made an identity statement about himself. And by extension, he made an identity statement about every believer that would carry the same spirit of Christ in them. I didn't actually mean to say spirit of Christ, but it fits. That wasn't in my notes. We put it on our sign. We better be ready to identify with it. This is the spirit of Christ, this, this passage, this declaration he makes of himself. And it is a declaration about us. And Jesus, in the sovereignty of God, needed to declare it publicly. And we need to be able to declare our identity publicly. You know, one of the most controversial subjects in our culture today is identity. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, why is that? Is it because the people out there are so bad? They're so messed up? It's because our culture's just go so, gone so far downhill? I think it's because one reason, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those he can who he can devour. And he's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's whispering in the ears of every living soul to try to tell them who they are so that they don't listen to who God says they are. And he's whispering to them. And I want to tell you, he's out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's not just about those who question or have gender dysphoria or sexual orientation, uh, confusion. And it's not just the people out there. It's in the room. Every day, many of us in this room are struggling to, to know and be confident about who we truly are in God. Who am I? What's my identity? It's because the devil is no respecter of persons. Oh, they're so bad. They're so confused. But many of you through this week alone have had questions about, I, I just feel insecure. I don't know who I am. I'm not enough. You know who's whispering in your ear just as loud as he's whispering into those people's ears? It's the same devil who's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy and knock you off the solid foundation of what Jesus has said about you. 
and what he has called you to do and be. Because if he can do that, he will disempower us in a world that is desperately needy and hungry. If we're not secure in our identity to understand what we've been called into, what the Spirit in Christ in us possesses, what do we have to offer a world that's in bondage? A world that's looking for freedom. A world that needs good news. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, it's really hard to proclaim that if you don't feel like you're living in favor yourself. If you're believing the lies of the enemy who's come to you to lie to you about who you are and to lie to you about whose you are and who you belong to. But the answer is actually very simple. If your life is in Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, you no longer belong to yourself. You have one life. It's the life of Christ. I would really encourage you, if you've never thought to memorize Galatians 2.20, memorize Galatians 2.20. Paul's confession, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Who's a believer in the world, in this room? just the 10 of you, then you should be able to say, Christ lives in me. Say it. Christ lives in me. The rest of you need to get saved today. <laughs> the life I know. You can't raise your hand when I ask you if you're a believer. We're, we're doing good work today. There's no condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Say it so I can hear it. Christ lives in me. Christ lives there, okay, I believe you now. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This scripture is your primary identity statement. Christ lives in me. I live by faith. He loves me. He gave himself for me. I love this scripture, and I memorized it. I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a gift. Um, my roommate used to write these like, really catchy songs when I was in college, and he wrote this song of this scripture, and he would sing it all the time. It still plays in my head 21 years later. <laughs> I've been crucified with Christ. It had a little groove to it. I no longer live. So we would just sing it as roommates just to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Uh, you need to memorize this one. Your life, whatever you were before you met, Jesus is gone. But you know what you got in return? All of him. <laughs> and that's more than enough. Christ is in you, and it's more than enough. He is, I declare boldly by the word of God, the center of your identity when you come to faith in Christ. His identity has become yours. That means you're righteous, you're holy, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, you are beloved by God. As much as God would love Jesus, he loves you. As much as there's no separation between Jesus and the Father, it's the same for you. Do you believe it? It's true. Christ is in you, so the life of Christ is your life. And I believe many of us have been under the weight of accusation in our lives. The circumstances seem to go wrong, and you hear the, the lie of the enemy. You messed up. It's your fault. You're not good enough. And we do mess up. We do, don't we? But then the lie is you're dirty. You should be ashamed. God's mad at you now. You're separated from God. 
Spoiler alert, those are all lies. Lies, lies, lies. That's the lie of the enemy trying to disempower you. Those thoughts are the voice of the accuser. And maybe he tells you you're not enough. You'll never be enough. Or maybe he tells you you're too much. I don't care what he tells you. He's a liar. (laughs) All he does is lie. But I have really, really good news for you. And I really do want to wrap it quick because I really want to pray for some of you. In the midst of the enemy's lies in your voice, in your head, God is preparing a feast. In the midst of your greatest pain point of accusation, the place the devil's targeted in your life every day, he's trying to get you, trying to convince you of his narrative, is the very place God wants to give you a feast. Psalm 23, verse 5. You pre- this is talking about Jesus, the good shepherd. What does he do for us? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Right where the enemies come to and camp against you, Jesus is setting a table. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I was listening to another message, and, and the guy was talking about it. He says, the area you feel the most accused in is God's bullseye target for where he wants to meet you and give you strength and confidence in your identity. He wants to give you a supernatural feast of his strength and of his identity. Because you know what will happen when you feast on the the identity of Jesus and the strength of God, even in the midst of weakness and accusation? When you know who you are in God, you will walk in greater measures of his power. You will be empowered beyond your own opinions. I need that. How many of you need to be empowered beyond what you think of yourself? Yes, you need to be empowered by the truth of what God says so you can walk in what God says, no matter how you feel that day. Because you're going to have the days that feel good and the days that don't feel good. You're going to have the days where you feel clear and the days you don't feel clear. But the thing is that Jesus didn't change. The Jesus in you doesn't change. The identity you walk in doesn't change. And look, some of us look at this passage where Jesus says, I've come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, set the oppressed free. And we look at that like, Jesus, I need that ministry to me. Amen. You know what? I have good news for you. That is his ministry to you. If you're in Christ but still struggling, he's not done. But the truth is, this scripture has been fulfilled in your life. In other words, it's a done deal. He's not going to leave you where you are. It's not like, well, hopefully you make it through. Look, if Jesus is in your life, then he's come to set your oppression free. You're being set free. You're in the midst of being set free. So it's a ministry he's doing to you, but you have to understand that even when he's ministering freedom to you, he wants to minister it through you. Because there are people that don't yet know that there's a liberator. There are people that don't yet know that they are beloved. There's people that don't yet know that God actually looks on them with favor and wants them. And so even in the midst of my struggle, I can look at someone and say, he sets you free. Okay? That's what it's about to know our identity, to embrace what he says while we're in the midst of it. You know what else is a lie that the devil speaks, especially to Christians? Well, you just, you can't proclaim it until it's all done in you. Well, you know what? If we waited till we were all perfect, we'd never share with anyone. Because you know when we'll be perfect? When we see him face to face and the game's over. (laughs) Don't wait for that day. 
Don't wait even until you get a little bit better. If you know the word of God is true, start now. Start now. Christ is in me. He is the hope of glory. He's the hope of glory for me. And I, when I know that, I know he is for you too. He's the hope of glory for me. And I will see him face to face. And I will finally be saved. Do you know you got saved? You're being saved and you'll be saved? It's all in the Bible. That's what I'm saying. When we see him face to face, we're finally fully transformed. But I'm also being fully transformed right now. The reality of Jesus is real right now. This scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. When we speak it over ourselves, when we hear Jesus say it over us. So this is Jesus' ministry to you, and it's the ministry of Christ through you. And I believe for many of you who are believers, I'm assuming most of you are, God's given you words. Maybe even in this past season of fasting and prayer, he's spoken to you about your life, what he's called you to be. And we look and we say, I'm not there yet. I haven't fully been prepared. But I'll tell you, if God has spoken, then he has spoken. You know what I think is really interesting? That Jesus did have to live in a human earthly frame. And he was living a very human life in the presence of a very powerful God. And I believe Jesus needed as a human man to open up that scripture and speak it. It wasn't just for them to hear. It wasn't just for us to write down. It was for his human heart. To be able to walk out his human calling, he needed to be able to declare out loud with his mouth what the word of God said. And you know what he was doing for himself? Was speaking the truth so he could walk in it. Because we live by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And somebody has to say it. Sometimes you have to say it over yourself. Jesus had to declare the word of God over himself so he could walk the life of faith for himself. And he was setting an example for you. You need to, and this may sound foreign, but you need to be a place in your life where you can declare out loud the word of God, even in all the ways that in your mind you know you're not there yet, but because it's the word of God, it's true, so that you hear it in your mind and you start to think different. And it begins to sink into your heart and you start to feel different. It means you probably have to say it more than one time until you're transformed enough to believe it and you can start to walk by faith in it. And even when you're not there yet, you can say to yourself and the Lord and the Holy Spirit, this scripture is fulfilled in my hearing because I live by faith, not by sight. I can declare the truth about this because it's true even when I don't see it. The truth of who we are. We have to learn to declare it. How many of you do that every day? Didn't make you raise your hands on that one. The, and it was by faith for Jesus too. Again, he had not yet done all of his great works that he was yet to do and yet could say this is true today and you hear it just by speaking it. That's the evidence of faith, right? The resident power and promise of God in Jesus' life wasn't just a resume of past deeds. The resident power and promise of God is that he's with us. And he writes the story going forward, not looking back. Does that make sense? And the same is true for you. The, the power of God and the promise of God over your life is true because of one person, Jesus, Christ, 
who lives in you. He is the yes. He's the amen. He's already the yes and the amen. Even if the promises over your life haven't come true, they are already yes and amen. It's finished. It's a done work, and now you get to speak it, and now you get to walk in it. Are you following me? You don't, and, and here's the good news then. You don't have to wait. Once God has spoken, you don't have to wait for someone else's endorsement, approval, or commissioning. You don't have to even wait for evidence in your hand. Well, I think God's in me. I'll just wait till I see evidence of God. God said it. It's done. But you do have to be willing to embrace the truth of God over your life the call of God in your life. And you have to be willing and and faith-filled enough to say it out loud. This is who the Father says I am. Even when you feel unworthy, when you doubt yourself, when other people doubt you. Because at the end of the day, it's your word against God's, and you're not going to win that battle. That other person's truth won't win against God's truth about you. It won't stand because he is the truth and he will not be moved. It's fulfilled in our healing. When you believe, believe who you are in God, you'll be empowered to be who you are in God. When you believe who you are in God, you'll be empowered to be who you are in God. We live by faith, not by feelings. Not by your own evaluation of yourself, not based on your own human capacity, We live by faith in the Son of God who died and raised us, us, up to life with him. He didn't just raise himself up to life. He raised me to life. He raised us to life. in That same spirit that got him out of the grave got you into the kingdom, got you holy, got you redeemed. Hallelujah. Jesus needed to make this declaration, and we need to make this declaration over ourselves. I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you two practicals. I'm going to share something vulnerable. Then we're going to pray. I want you to use Luke 4 and speak over yourself regularly. Turn it into a declaration. Say it until you believe it. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4 needs to become your declaration. But I also want to encourage you to write your own identity statement. Um, What has the Lord spoken over you through the word? What has he spoken over your life through the spirit, through others, through prophetic words? You need a declaration over your specific life that calls you up and calls you out. We all do, so that we can take ownership of what the Lord has spoken of of us. What is it? And this is mine. You probably can't read it. That's the vulnerable piece. I was like, should I share mine? Should I not share mine? I want to share mine. Um, But you got to write your own. What is it when you write an identity statement? I'm going to give you a little assignment. It's agreeing with God. It's taking ownership of the words he's spoken to you, personally, through the word, through the spirit. Again, what calls you up and calls you out? What is it not? It's not something you've fully accomplished. None of us are there yet, but we are on the way. And it's not pride saying, I'm so amazing. It's simply agreeing with God. It's truth. You know what pride is? Pride's when we disagree and we say, ah, no, no, I can never be that. Wait, God said you are. You're going to disagree with God? That's, that's a real kind of pride. 
We try to play humble, it's actually pride, that somehow your opinion of you is more right than his. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so I wanted to share mine just as an example, and I'm doing this, I started a group this week, and I'm really, this is the end. <laughs> I started a group this week with a few pastors in the city. Um, we called a boat crew, and uh, we're getting to know one another, and I said, we need to do this. We need to, we need to declare about ourselves to one another so that we hold each other accountable. To, to what God called us to be. And, it, and just sharing it has been um, powerful. That's why I want to encourage you to write your own. And uh, so as me saying, you need to be able to declare it over you. You need to be able to say it to yourself. You need to be able to say it to someone else. I should probably set the example by doing the same. Again, this isn't uh, fully accomplished. This is what God's working in th- and through me. This is where he's calling me up. This is where he's calling me out. This is my statement. I am a friend of God. He has called me to friendship with him as my primary life vision for all of my days. I'm a worshiper and a musician, and the Lord loves to hear my song. I'm a husband to a queen. Together we're an impenetrable force, and our union will bring freedom to others. I'm a father to Chloe and Ruby, and my display of the father's love creates an entryway for them to know him. I cultivate the atmosphere of the Father's love in my home. I'm the example of the bridegroom's love to my daughters and give them a vision for their future husbands. Can you hear how I'm calling myself up and out? This is what I need to be. This is what I'm called to be. I have one natural-born son who's in heaven, but I have many, many spiritual sons to raise up on earth. I am an encourager made to impart courage that causes people to soar in the love of God. I hope that's what's happening today. I'm a lover of people, all people. I make them feel valued even as they're valued by God. I'm a person of prayer and I walk in the revelation of the Father's heart. I'm a spiritual leader, a pastor, and a shepherd after his heart. Amen. This is my identity. I want you to write your own. You don't have to do it right now. Uh, Maybe you'll get some words today when we pray for you that will go in there. We'll see. If your faith is in Christ today, friends, your life is not your own. Your life is in him. Your life is him. You may have lost something, but you gained everything when you came into Christ. And if you have lost something in following him, it'll be nothing in comparison to the surpassing value of walking and knowing him for all of eternity. We're living in a world right now that is desperate to see Jesus in the spirit of Christ. And the way he shows up most It's through you. As you pray, he shows up. As you obey, he shows up. As you're faithful to him, he shows up. He lives through you. He speaks through you. He'll do wonders through you. In the world right now, even our nation, even our city right now is looking for him in you. Let the reality of Jesus be fulfilled in us in this city today. Let's stand. Meredith, would you come? We're going to take a moment and uh, close in prayer with some worship. And then I'm going to invite some of you up here um, to receive prayer, especially if you know that you're one of the ones who's been under the lies of the accuser. That just accusation has tried to take hold of your heart and mind. Those are the people I specifically want to pray for today. We want to cut off 
the words of the accuser and the work of the accuser over your life and release the identity that God is speaking over you today. Amen? Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have loved us. You have loved us. You have loved us. We thank you, Jesus, that you brought us to life in you and that you now live in us. This is who we are and this is who we will be. We first, we just give you thanks for your good work in choosing us and calling us to yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment, posture your heart in gratitude before the Lord. Let him begin to whisper to your own heart. If you're a believer, if you're in Christ, I just want you right now to just open your heart. Say, Lord, speak to me again. Remind me who you say that I am. Would you just take a moment right here and do that while Meredith plays? And while the believers in the room are doing that, I want to give a moment. If you're in the room and you have not yet put your life aside and died to let Christ raise you to life, put your full faith in him as Lord, as Savior, and you want to do that this morning, I want to give you a moment to do that right now. And everything we've spoken about will be real for you the moment you say yes to Jesus' Lordship in your life. This will be your identity starting today if that's you, maybe you're watching even online. I want you to have this moment to bow your knee, to lay your life at the feet of Jesus so you can come to life in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody who would say, that's me? Today, I need to say yes. Today, I need to bow my knee. Today, I want to lay my life down and be raised up to life by faith in Christ alone who saves me. 